0: Welcome to Calvary Temple Church podcast. Thank you for listening today. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast yet, please consider doing so. You'll find reference scripture and discussion questions for this sermon in the episode description. We hope this encourages you in your spiritual growth. I want to share today about peace for anxious hearts. Peace for anxious hearts. And that's for all of us that are gathered here. It's for everyone listening in. It's a message that we have as believers. I believe that and I think I'm so thankful for the worship. People, didn't you just sense the Holy Spirit as we were singing and sharing and the words today, the words that just speak to our hearts to put our faith in the Lord that no matter what goes on around us, we have an awesome God. We have a God who will meet us. That is for every one of us today. Amen? Amen. Peace for anxious hearts. And I'm going to be sharing out of Philippians 4 today, 4 to to 9. Paul wrote to these Philippians, and and I want you to hear something he said. He said, do not be anxious about anything. Now, wait a minute. Who doesn't know anxiety? Anxiety. Somebody might be listening and hear that go, well, wait a minute. If Paul knew my situation, he wouldn't say that. Anxiety, apprehension, this uncertainty that fills people's hearts today. As we mentioned, the news is saturated with fear, the messages of fear, distress, suffering. Hearts are longing, they're aching for peace But sometimes, so often, that peace seems out of reach. It seems almost elusive. It's like we're trying to get it, but I can't grasp it. It's unattainable. Paul said, do not be anxious about anything. People, that's God's word to us. Is that even possible? And I want to say the Bible has an incredibly, extraordinarily good news. Jesus offers the way. To live without anxiety and fear. To live in His peace and His joy. No matter what the circumstances that we face in this life. And that's what Paul's writing about here in Philippians 4. Let's take a look. Verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me, Paul says, or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Do not be anxious about anything, now does that mean that we're never to have any kind of feeling of uh, of anxiety i don't think that's exactly what paul's saying here and i remember when i was a lot younger and, I, and Philippians, this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Philippians is one of my favorite books. I've studied and studied this book. But I remember earlier in my life as I would teach this book, I had this sense that even if you have that feeling of anxiety, you've kind of moved over into that area of not really trusting God or or, or, or whatever. So I, I don't think I quite taught what Paul's saying. I don't think Paul's saying that there's never going to be a feeling of anxiety because all of us have things that happen to us in our life that we see uh, that, that are around us that can make us feel anxious in that moment. But it's what we do with that anxiety, is what Paul's saying. It's what we do with what comes against us, those those feelings. I think Paul's saying, don't sit in anxiety. Don't allow that to be your mindset and your heart and to capture. When you have those feelings, here's what to do. Don't move into the path of anxiousness or worrying or fretting. What are we to do? How are we to handle this anxiousness in our life? That's what this whole passage gives us the answer on. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Joy is the keynote of the book of Philippians. Sixteen times in this little book, four chapters, Paul writes about this note of joy. And, and people, when Paul writes it here, rejoice in the Lord, it's not a suggestion. It's an imperative. That means it's a command. He's saying, rejoice, do it. Wow, isn't that something? And somebody might say, but... What if I don't always feel joyful? How am I to rejoice? We need to understand something. Joy and rejoicing are not based on the emotion of feeling happy. Rather, it's a deep-seated conviction. It's this this principle in our life that's below all the storm-tossed waves that are up on the surface You've seen waters that seem rough on top that are deep enough. When you go deep, they're as still as can be. That's where this joy comes from, the deep-seated, in that sense, emotion or sense or, or confidence. Christian joy, people. By that, I mean the joy that we have in Christ. It's not a temporary kind of feeling that comes and goes based on our circumstances in life. Rather, it's rooted completely in our relationship with Jesus. That's where we get this joy. It's a deep spiritual quality of life that comes from abiding in Jesus. Remember when Jesus said in John 15, Abide in me. Let my word by abide in you. And notice that Paul writes here, Rejoice in the Lord. It's not just go around and be happy and do that kind of stuff and put a smile on your face and you feel... Me- That's being hypocritical. This is something that comes out of where we find in our joy. It's in the Lord. It's not, we're, we're not working this up ourselves. People, joy and peace go together. These are both a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus has given you and I the Holy Spirit to produce His fruit in us to produce joy and peace in us, as we see in this passage. Joy is, or at least should be, the distinctive mark of the believer in Jesus. Paul knew that only in the Lord can we get this view of life, this perspective that will handle the storms and the sin and the challenges that we encounter around us. People, our joys not contingent upon earthly circumstances. Our joy is contingent on Jesus Christ himself. So he says, rejoice in the Lord always. People, the rejoicing that we have in Christ is strong enough, is powerful enough to handle even the darker, more difficult places of life. Aren't you glad for that? Thank the Lord for that choose, we choose to rejoice in the Lord. It's a choice. We've been taking care of my dad. We brought my mom and dad up here about seven and a half years ago. Mom passed in 2015. Dad was with us for about six years, but the past year and a half or more, we had to put dad into assisted living. In May, he had to move into hospice. We haven't been able to spend time with my dad personally, Ruth and I, since March 12th. We've had only a couple fleeting moments that we were able to see dad when we transport him with with the ambulance. That's been, and then when they first put him in hospice, they gave us a little 25-minute window. That's been it since March. And in hospice... My dad is no longer able to walk. He's been in bed since May. They use a lift to pick him up out of bed. He had an electric wheelchair they were using, but now, because of the situation, he can't even leave his room. <clears throat> but they have to lift him up to get showered, to do whatever. He's only able to feed himself. My dad is the kind of guy that, respect, that gains the respect of other men. I know looking at me, if you don't know my dad, my dad's a big guy. He was six foot. What happened to me? I'm adopted, all right? And uh, so I got a short, you know, I'm just whatever. But but my dad, he grew up on a farm as a hard worker. My dad served in World War II. He served in the Korean War. My dad worked the oil fields. My my dad worked construction. He worked uh, truck driving. He worked... Uh, parts man on and on my dad's the kind of guy really has the respect a kind man has the respect of others and now my dad 93 years old unable to walk unable to do things for himself he can't even get up on his own he has incredible care we're so thankful for the care of the VA but what's remarkable is his attitude Wow. Dad chooses to be cheerful. Dad chooses to walk, you might say, on the sunny side of the street. We'll talk to Dad. He'll tell us jokes. He'll encourage us. He'll say things just to tease us or get us to laugh or whatever. And he has a dry sense of humor, so sometimes you have to listen. Then he gets this little neat smile on his face and just lights up the room. We've had the doctors and, and the nurses tell us dad is their favorite patient. They love going in and taking care of him because he teases him. He's so easy to, to, to get along with. He jokes with him. He just, dad's lying almost every time. Just got to go along with the program. It's a remarkable attitude. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Isn't that awesome? And when Paul wrote this letter, he was in a Roman prison for preaching Jesus. I've shared on that in the past. Paul doesn't know if he's going to, for sure, if he's going to live or he's going to be released and get out of prison. He's believing that. But in the midst of all that, Paul wrote the most joyful letter that maybe has ever been penned. And he does it from the cell, you might say, or the imprisonment of, of, of Rome. Powerful. And he writes, rejoice in the Lord. Paul says, here I am. They thought they shut me up. But I want you to know that the gospel is advancing in ways it never could have if I wasn't here in prison. God's good. I'm believing him. I'm trusting him. Rejoice in the Lord always. And He says, in case you didn't get that, again, I say, rejoice. Wow. And then there's another command here. It says, let your gentleness be evident to all let your gentleness be seen because the lord's near well, what does that mean your gentleness joy and graciousness go together this is graciousness with a strength of character. When all the pressure's on, when all the things are, are against us, we respond with graciousness, with kindness. Let your gentleness come out. We can only do that in the Lord. It's the idea of a, of a sweetness, of a sweet reasonableness. Paul, or sweet reasonableness, <laughs> said that too fast. Paul is calling for this grace of living or in such a way that we are willing to give up to the weaker out of generosity and gentleness. We're not always demanding our own way. We're not always forcing our own way. But there's a graciousness about us, around us. Let your gentleness be known to all people, even to those that aren't believers, to respond with graciousness and kindness and gentleness. Let it flow out of rejoicing in the Lord. Because we're rejoicing in the Lord, we're trusting Him, we can respond to others with this kind of attitude and heart. And people, Jesus Christ has set the example. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 10:1, he says, Now I, Paul, myself, entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. That's what Jesus was known for, was that gentleness, character, and life. And because Jesus is gentle, He calls us to also be gentle. And then Paul says, be gentle. Let your gentleness be known. Why? Because the Lord's at hand. There's a double meaning in this. There's the idea that Jesus is right there present with us. And because Jesus is here with me, because he's right here where I am, where you are, we can respond and live like this. Because he's here to help us. And because he's here to motivate us, you might say, you know, if I know Jesus standing I want to do that a little different. You ever, you ever notice sometimes that we act a little different depending upon who is around us? Well, think about it. Jesus is here. Maybe I need to act a little more like Jesus, you know. That's a motivation. But also, and maybe even the stronger of the idea, the Lord is near. The Lord is at hand. The return of the Lord is near. And because Jesus is about to come, it's a motivation for how to live in 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 an attitude that trusts Him, that rejoices. He's with us, and He's coming again. Both are motivations. The Lord's near. Aren't you thankful for that? He's here with us. He's going to come again and establish His kingdom, and therefore we're motivated to rejoice in Him, to trust Him, and to let His graciousness and His gentleness flow out of our lives. I'd really like to tell you that I have that all down. But too many of you have known me for too long. We all have those places where we struggle with those feelings of anxiety. But as we grow deeper in Jesus, and when we begin to sense it, as we commit it to Him, people, His Holy Spirit can empower us and enable us and help us to rejoice. That we choose to say, okay, Lord, I recognize what's going on, and I'm going to put my rejoicing in You. I'm going to put my trust in You. Help me, Lord Jesus, to respond to others and show them Your grace, Your graciousness, Your gentleness, because You're with me. You're coming again. You care about them. You love them. Don't be anxious about anything. In the Gospels, being anxious is this idea of harassing care. It's the idea of worrying and stewing and pondering over things into which we so naturally fall. Jesus said in Matthew 6, he said, don't worry about your life. God's going to take care of us. But how often do many of us find ourselves at night, our mind racing and we can't sleep, or during the day and it moves into almost a, a fearful kind of, of imagination. Somebody asked this. They said, you know what's a prune? It's a worried grape. <laughs> Let that sink in. I like that, all right? That ought to at least get a smile on our face. And somebody else said this. They said, worry It's a fearful imagination. It's a worried grape. Okay? So Jesus, through Paul here, what we need to understand is that Jesus is the only answer for the anxiety of our hearts. And how do we do that? Prayer, people, is the answer to not being anxious. Paul says pray about everything. By prayer And petition in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your requests to God. People, Jesus is interested in everything about you and me. Don't feel like you're bothering the Lord to bring our petitions to him. And people, don't fall in that camp that says it's unspiritual to pray for your own needs. God says pray. Bring your requests. We do that for ourselves. We do it for the body. We bring that because when we bring it, we're able to lay it at the feet of the Lord and say, Lord, I need you. Help me with this. Prayer and thanksgiving also are an expression of our trust in God because when we begin to pray and give Him thanks, we're not just coming with a complaint, you know, and saying, take care of that. We're coming with a request, with a petition to our Father and saying, I believe you are big enough to take care of this. And I'm trusting you. Isn't that awesome. And it results, people, as we begin to do that, in the peace of God. What an amazing blessing. There's a peace of God that can fill and flood our hearts. Paul says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The idea here in the Greek is the peace of God will garrison your hearts and minds. Now, this is interesting. Paul is writing to people in Philippi. This is a Roman colony. They knew what a garrison of soldiers was that would be around a a city and and guard that. And Paul's writing, and he's saying here, that when we begin to pray and leave our requests with God, that the peace of God will be like a, a garrison around our minds and our hearts. In other words, it's going to protect us. Isn't that awesome? Protect us from the darts of the enemy. Protects us from the stuff going on around us. We can trust in the Lord. So thankful for that. And notice Philippians 4, 9 says, He is the God of peace. The God of peace will garrison our hearts and minds. He has it, people. He has it. We can trust Him. He will bring that. The kingdom of God in Romans 14, 17 is not eating and drinking, but it's righteousness and peace in the Holy Spirit. Wow. That's, that's, that's so awesome. That's so awesome. And this peace, people, it passes all understanding. It goes beyond what I can comprehend. It goes beyond what I can explain. It goes beyond any words or understanding. The peace of God is so deep. It's so vast. It's so awesome. And God can give that to us in our lives. It's a peace that quiets our hearts, our feelings, our emotions, and our minds, our thinking. Wow. To rest in the Lord. People, Jesus is our source for peace. This peace is found in Jesus Christ. He'll guard, he'll garrison our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now we've seen in this passage so far that the key to not being anxious is we're to rejoice in the Lord always. We're to let our gentleness be evident to all because the Lord's at hand. We're to pray and bring our petitions and requests to God with thanksgiving, and the result is peace. But we also need a change of thinking and actions. Notice verse eight. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, noble, whatever is right, it's pure, it's lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received, or heard from me, or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. These are all qualities that we can find in the gospel and in the word of God. There are even some of these qualities that are fleshed out and lived out in the world around us, and he's telling us, look for the Lord wherever you're at. Look for them here. If it's true and according to the word of God and the gospel, think on those kind of things. That's where to set our mind. What's honorable, what's noble, what's the right kind of thinking. Things that are pure, that are without sin and blemish and ungodliness. Think in purity and singleness of heart toward God. Things that are lovely and admirable. Things that have moral excellence, that are praiseworthy. These are the things we're to think on. We're to set our mind on that. You know, the Bible lets us know in Romans 12 that what God does is that we are being transformed by the renewing of our mind. That happens through His Word and through the Holy Spirit working in us that our minds are being changed to put our trust. So when things happen, we begin to reflect on the Lord. We begin to look for the truth of God's Word. We don't trust the circumstances that are around us. We have a world that's so caught up, and, and they look at circumstances and interpret them in one way. But we bring those circumstances. We say, Lord, here's what's going on, but we trust you. We trust you to work. We're going to put our confidence in you. We're going to look beyond what we can see with our physical eyes and trust you. We believe God. That's not something naive, people. That's faith. And God calls us to a life of faith and trusting him. And he does it. He helps us through the Holy Spirit to live in him and apply this right thinking. But also, we need to have in our lives right actions we need to let christ control our thoughts let me give one more thing there second corinthians 10 paul says casting down imaginations and every high thing that's exalted against the knowledge of god and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of christ god wants to change our minds This is not instantaneous. This is a growing thing in the Lord. But as we begin to sow to that, we'll find our minds being changed, transformed, renewed, thinking right, thinking in Him. But also, follow godly examples. Paul says the things that they've learned or received or heard or seen in Him, put it into practice. Wow. These noble ideas we're sharing about today will come to nothing unless we act on them. Unless we begin to walk in these and do them. Paul has given us what to think on. What he's been teaching these Philippians in the gospel and how to have, have right thinking. Paul has modeled the life of Christ for them. And he's also offered up the example of Jesus Christ himself. He did that in Philippians 2. This is how Jesus lived. And Paul is living out the example of Christ. When he brought the gospel to them, they saw Jesus in him, And now in a Roman prison, not knowing if he would live or die, he's not just saying, you rejoice. He's saying, I'm rejoicing. Come on, let's do this thing together. Let's share the gospel. We have a big God. We have a great God. Let's trust him. Let's rejoice. When we live like that, there's a world that says, okay, I don't get it, I don't understand it, but what do you have? Because I want it. It'll attract people. Follow godly examples of people who really live out Jesus and walk in his peace. So I ask you, do you want to live without anxiety? Is that what we want? Do we want to live with the peace of God that passes understanding? Rejoice in the Lord always. Be sweet. Let a gentleness be known to others because the Lord's with us and he's coming. Pray. Bring our petitions. Pray about everything, but do it with thanksgiving and confidence. Receive his peace. Is there. Learn to think rightly, a renewed mind, and follow godly examples in our life. People, there's an answer for anxiety and fear and turmoil in our lives. Amen? And if you'll come. Thank the Lord. I want to be able to pray with us today because twofold, one, Probably many of us, even though we call ourselves believers, we find ourselves at times saying, Lord, I feel so anxious. Help me, Lord, to move more in you. These are the things that God has for us to trust Him, to walk in Him. Amen. But also for those that may be listening today to say, I don't know peace, I don't know God's joy. I want that in my life today. And I want to invite you to ask Jesus to come into your heart and your life. Surrender totally, completely to Him. Receive Him. Ask Him to forgive you of your sins. Make you a new person. He will do that. And let us know because we want to help you get started in Jesus. But I want all of us today, we're just going to take this moment here and just pray and Look to the Lord because I want us to pray for ourselves but I want us to also pray for others because we all know people who need the message of Jesus' peace and his love. Amen.